Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode two of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Today I'm going to be talking about my own experiences, my own journey, and my own struggles. Uh, I wanted to start this podcast series by sharing my own story because I know from experience that hearing other people's experiences can make us more comfortable sharing our own. And every time that I share mine and I put mine out into the world, I get somebody new contacting me, um, thanking me for sharing or relating to what I'm going through or have gone through, um, sharing their struggles with me. And I just, I really want to get the conversation going and I want everyone to know that they are not alone. This podcast is a safe space for anyone and everyone to speak their truth and share their struggles. And if you are ready to share your story and you want to put um, everything out there and help other people, or maybe other people can relate to what you're going through or how you coped with it, please reach out to me. I would love to have you on. Um, And if you want to share your story for the first time, you can talk to me and put it out there and I guarantee that there will be a huge weight lifted off your shoulders. I've never told my story from start to finish so here we go. Okay um where did it all start? When I was in elementary school after grade three um, they changed the busing system in my school so then I had to switch to a new school So I was the new kid. I didn't know anybody. I mean, I switched schools with a couple other people, um, but we weren't like super close friends. So I didn't really have any good friends at this new school. Um, I was always a bigger kid and people bullied me because I was the new kid and I was fat. I went to school every day feeling like I didn't belong, feeling like everyone hated me, like nobody wanted me there. I used to come home from school bawling, bawling my eyes out. Um, I was so upset every single day and my parents had no idea what was going on. They didn't know what to do. In my family, we didn't... uh, really talk about stuff. So for me to come home bawling my eyes out and not say anything to my parents or explain to them what was going on, they had no clue what to do. Eventually, since I came home just crying all the time, my mom, obviously, she went to the principal. She was like, what is going on at school? Like something is happening because she is coming home crying and this is not okay. Um, so I remember being called into the principal's office and they were asking me, like, are you getting bullied? Is somebody like doing something to you? And I remember because I didn't know what to say. I remember lying to them and kind of making up stories and giving them names of people and saying that they did things even though they didn't because I... I just had this feeling like nobody wanted me there and I didn't belong. 
And that is why I went home crying, but there was really no reason for it. So that is what I told them. And I ended up getting people in trouble, which I I do remember still to this day, and I feel really bad about it. So eventually, uh, my parents found a psychologist for me to start going to see. So they would pull me out of school probably once a month, I would say, and nobody knew what I was doing. I would tell my friends that I just had a doctor's appointment. Like, uh, it wasn't something you really talked about. So I had to tell people that I just had a doctor's appointment and I was leaving early. And But this happened so often, I'm pretty sure people thought there was something wrong with me anyways. But uh, I went to see the psychologist who would sit and talk to me for an hour. And I don't even remember what we would talk about, but I know that I did start feeling better just being able to talk to somebody and let my emotions out. Um, I remember she used to make me, she would give me a circle and she would make me draw a pie chart of the different emotions. And she would ask me, okay, over the last month, since I saw you last, how often do you feel happy or sad or excited or nervous? And she gave me a bunch of emotions and I had to divide up this pie chart to show her how I was feeling. So she made me do that every time that I went to see her. And I knew that what she wanted was for the happy piece of the pie to get bigger every time. So I would remember how big I made the piece the last time. And every time I would go in and try and make it bigger, I would lie, whether it was true or not, I would make the happy part of the chart bigger so that she thought I was doing better. So eventually, obviously the happy piece got bigger. Everyone thought I was doing way better. Uh, I did feel a little bit better, but obviously nothing was solved. Like, Just talking to her didn't really do anything, but everyone thought I was doing better. So we ended the sessions, no problem. I don't know how long those went on for, but I started them when I was nine, I think, nine or ten. So yeah, I was super, super young. Um, A few years, probably a few years, couple years, I'm not too sure. But so the sessions ended, um, I didn't really have to go see her anymore, nothing really changed. I, I think I stopped coming home from school crying my eyes out, but I didn't. nothing really changed in terms of how I was feeling about going to school and how I didn't belong. Um, but fast forward a little bit, I remember I took piano lessons and now this was probably grade five or six, start of junior high, I took piano lessons. And one of my teachers, he knew that I didn't want to be there. Um, He could kind of see that I was really, I don't know, not really engaged. And so I would go to his house for lessons. And we wouldn't even play piano, he would sit me down and we would talk or He tried to teach me how to play chess once. I remember playing chess for the whole hour. That was supposed to be my lesson. And I remember him saying to me one day um, that he thought I was depressed. And that was the first time that anybody had ever said that to me or even brought it up to me. And I kind of was like, what? There's no way. Like, I'm not depressed. What are you talking about? So that's the first time that I had heard it. But... It was just him and I in this piano lesson. So 
I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone else. Nobody else really knew. And that was that. That was the first time that I kind of heard that. And I didn't really think anything of it after that. So keep going. I made it through high school pretty uneventfully. Um, Nothing had really changed. I just, I was the overweight, quiet, super shy kid that nobody really talked to except for my friends. Uh, And I had a big group of friends, but I still felt completely alone and like nobody really knew me. And looking back now, yes, I had a big group of friends and I would say we were close, but nobody really knew the real me. Nobody really knew anything about me or what was going on. And in my mind back then, I guess, it didn't really feel like anybody really cared to know me either. So... Fast forward to university, our group of friends from high school had a lot of drama around graduation and there was a bunch of summer drama that happened. I won't go into all of that, Um, but my whole group of friends fell apart. We had about 10 girls and we had been friends since about grade four or five um, up until the end of high school and then everything fell apart. We all split up. And I went through my first year of university with one or two friends. I I was so alone. I was almost by myself all the time. And it was so, so sad. So then Christmas break of my second year of university, I was at my lowest point. I was completely alone. I didn't have any friends in school. I had lost all of my high school friends. I was this super shy kid that wasn't really good at talking to people, making new friends. Um, and when you're in university at that age, people already have friends, people have cliques, nobody really wants to talk to other people that they don't know yet, uh, which is really sad, and I wish that people were not like that, but when you're at that age, that is usually what happens, and even now, even at my age now, like, it's so hard to make friends with other women, but I find that as we get older, women are much more supportive of each other, so I love it. Anyways, Back to Christmas break of my second year. Uh, That was my lowest point ever, I think. Um, Part of the source of my trauma is my family and my childhood. So spending so much time with them over Christmas break drove me to the edge. I had nobody to turn to, nowhere else to go. And I was stuck with my family 24-7. Over the years, I had planned my death. Uh, more times than I could count and I had reached the point of no return where I just felt helpless and useless and such a burden that I just I had enough and I was ready to go and I didn't really care Uh, I didn't really care who I hurt because I felt like nobody was there for me and nobody really cared if I was alive or not but something stopped me from following through with it. I don't know what, but um, yeah, I never did it. And now I'm so glad that I didn't. The next semester at school, I met a brand new group of friends who became my rocks for the rest of university. Shout out to my chem crew. You guys are amazing. Uh, I also joined a club at school with them. And eventually, like, they weren't all that interested. And I stayed in the club. And I met a bunch more friends who were into the same things that I was. They were in the same kind of program that I was in. So we had much more in common. 
Um, I finally, finally found some friends, some people to lean on. I had my chem crew. I had my club friends. uh, And it was amazing. I've never told them this, but they literally saved my life. All of them, if you're listening right now, you saved my life. And because of you, I saw a reason to keep going. And you really are the reason that I'm still here today. I don't know what I would have done without meeting them at that time because I was so, I was at the edge and I was ready to just leave this world. And meeting my friends has kept me alive. Later on in my undergrad years, uh, I started having a lot more suicidal thoughts. Um, So I knew that I needed help. So I went to my doctor, my family doctor, and I told him, like, this is what's going on. I need help. I need you to refer me to somebody, find me a psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever, um, because I know that this is not right and I need help. And he told me, that it was too hard to get into a psychiatrist or a psychologist as an adult. He knew that I had gone to a psychologist when I was a kid. And he just told me straight up, like, you're too old now. And it's too hard to get in to see anybody. So we're not even going to try. And I looked at him and I just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I'm telling you that I'm ready to kill myself. And I'm ready to end my life. And you're telling me that there's nothing you can do? That just blows my mind. I remember that so clearly to this day. So eventually, he referred me to a therapist. Not a psychologist. Not a psychiatrist. Just a therapist. Which is fine. That's all that I wanted. I just wanted somebody to help me. And so I met with this lady... It was free. It was covered by Alberta Health. Yeah, she just talked to me. She asked me what was going on. What was I feeling? um, Asked me about kind of my triggers and how these feelings come up. And she was the one that unofficially diagnosed me with BPD. Uh, She saw it almost immediately and knew that what I was struggling with wasn't just depression. So finding her was amazing for me, and I'm so happy that I did. Because a lot of people, they just say, oh, you're depressed, and that's it. But for me, um, BPD is a much bigger deal, and it, it's a whole other ballgame. So she gave me some books and some exercises outlining kind of the descriptions of how people who struggle with BPD feel, Um, this book, when I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, you're in my head and you know exactly how I feel. This is crazy. So it related to me so much and it helped me kind of pinpoint, um, some triggers, which I still to this day don't quite know what triggers me, but it definitely helped me with my coping mechanisms and how I handle it so that I don't spiral and get out of control. So after reading all this, after talking to her, I finally felt understood and I finally knew what was going on with me. Uh, When I was a kid, like, I just knew that I was sad for no reason. I was upset. I was crying. Uh, I didn't, I felt so alone. 
Um, but I had no idea why. And there was never any reason why. And so when she told me, you have BPD, that like that changed my life. And for anyone that doesn't know, BPD is borderline personality disorder, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Fast forward a few years, I was done school. I was out in the workforce full time. Um, I loved my job. I was happy with life. I mean, as happy as I could be. Uh, But I worked one day a week completely alone. So there was nobody else around. I had a ton of time to get inside my head. Um, I was alone with my own thoughts and I was just thinking all day. So one day I was in a really, really dark place um, thinking about harming myself again. So I called my boyfriend at the time and I told him, like, this is what's happening, but I'm here alone. Uh, But I knew that I had to tell somebody, so I called him. And obviously he didn't know what to do. He was going to call the police. Uh, He was freaking out, obviously. Um, But I I begged him not to. I was kind of embarrassed. I didn't want to get the police involved. Like, I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, don't worry, don't worry. But obviously there's a reason that I had called him in the first place. Like, I was, it was my cry for help. Like, I didn't... I think deep down, I didn't really want to go through with it, but I needed somebody to tell me not to and tell me that I I needed to stay here, which I didn't really get. But I, I begged him not to call the police, like don't tell anybody. And he ended up calling my sister. And that was the first time that she had ever heard that anything was wrong with me. She had no idea what I had been going through. And this was the moment that she found out everything. So she called me and we talked about everything. And she was super supportive, super understanding. And she con- she convinced me to finally tell my parents as well. Because they were in the dark for so long. After I stopped my psychiatry sessions when I was a kid... They just thought since I was good to end those sessions that I was good for until then. And so they also had no idea what was going on. I sat them down a couple days later and I told them everything that I had planning. I had been planning on killing myself that weekend. Um, Obviously it didn't happen, but this is what's happening. And in a way it was a coming out story. Um, I know it's not the same as coming out uh, with your sexuality, but it's similar. Anyone that has done this before, you know what I'm talking about. Oftentimes, a mental illness struggle is this completely other side of you that you do anything to hide. You lie, you manipulate people, uh, and you don't want anyone to see it. So for them to hear this from me, it was a huge shock to them. And I hid it from anyone and everyone I never wanted anyone to know that I was suffering every single day. So you just get used to putting on this happy face and pretending to be something that you're not. So after I told them I didn't really get the reaction or the support that I was expecting or that I wanted, but at the same time, I'm still really, really glad that I told them because now it was out there and I didn't have to hide who I was as much. And as mad as I was at my boyfriend at the time for betraying my trust and in a way kind of forcing me to come out to my family, 
um, not on my own terms. In the end, I'm glad that it happened because then everybody knew what was happening and it was just out there and we could kind of move forward from that. A couple years later, a girl that I grew up with shared her own story and her struggles on Facebook and she was the first person that I knew to publicly share any kind of struggle or any kind of story. Um, She is actually going to be my first guest on the podcast. Stay tuned for episode four. Um, But she inspired me to share my own story as well. And I'm so glad that I did. Hearing her struggles confirmed that I was not alone and what I was feeling was okay. And up to that point, I didn't know anybody in my life that was struggling at all. And I didn't know if there was other people out there with the same feelings as I had. And so it's because of her that I am here today sharing my own story. Everyone says that you're not alone. um, But hearing that from somebody that I knew personally was so inspiring and so influential I knew that if I could do the same thing for even one other person, that it would be worth it. So I've shared my story in little bits and pieces many, many times over the years. And I am so grateful and so happy that somebody new uh, reaches out every single time. I just want to thank everyone that reaches out as well, whether that is to thank me or to relate to me or to share their own journey. This is exactly what needs to be happening and by talking about it and ending the stigma surrounding it, uh, we're going to make mental health an important aspect of everybody's lives. So please never, never stop talking about it. So in summary, that's kind of my whole story, um, my journey to this point. Um, I... I struggle with BPD. I have borderline personality disorder, which is not the same as being bipolar. Uh, I know it sounds very similar, but it's not quite the same. And I, I really don't like when people call me bipolar. But I don't have manic episodes like bipolar people do. Um, and people with BPD, our emotional ups and downs can change very, very quickly rather than lasting, say, weeks at a time. Even though they can last that long, um, they're very quick. I can, my mood can change in an hour, in five minutes. Uh, My emotions are very, very up and down. But everyone's experiences and characteristics are different. So these are just mine. And I hope that some of you can relate to this if you have BPD as well. So it comes with depression, obviously. Um, A lot of suicidal thoughts, feeling sad and down for no reason. Um, I feel super empty a lot of the time. uh, And sometimes I can just be sitting there not thinking about anything. And I've had people ask me, like, what are you thinking about? You're kind of just staring into space. And I'm like, nothing. And their response is, what do you mean? How can you be thinking about nothing? Like, that's not even possible. I'm like, yeah. I'm just, I'm so empty sometimes, and that's what happens. Uh, I feel alone for no reason, even when my friends are around me. Um, I can feel completely alone when I'm in a room full of people. So I can be at a party, I can be hanging out with friends, but just feel so alone and isolated. Um, So if you know somebody that is struggling with BPD or depression, 
um, that has characteristics like this, if you see them at a party or in a social gathering sitting by themselves, please do talk to them because that little social interaction does help. It doesn't matter what you say, just talk to them because then it makes them feel a lot less alone and less in their thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to regulate my emotions. Um, I often feel my emotions a lot more intensely than the average person. So I can be super, super happy, um, really, really down. I can get really angry at times. But for me, that's not really a big one. I know a lot of people can. But for me, I don't really get upset or angry very easily. It's more just being really down on myself and um, just down in general. So one of the characteristics of BPD is that when our emotions are so intense, um, we need to find a way for them to be released or um, kind of expressed. And sometimes that expression is not always healthy. So you can see angry outbursts, a lot of self-harm, binge eating, spending money recklessly, Um, even driving recklessly. It can come out in all sorts of different forms. So for me, it was more binge eating and negative thoughts and self-deprecation and a lot of things like that. Um, I'll talk more about my binge eating and eating disorders in the next episode, so stay tuned for that part of it because I also struggle with eating disorders on top of all my depression and uh, BPD. One of the characteristics for me is that I think about death a lot. And even to this day when I have healed so much, I think about death probably every other day. I've planned out every single detail of how I was going to kill myself, when, where, how, who I would leave letters for, what I would write. I have done that countless, countless times. I just, I don't know, I kind of have learned to deal with it, Um, but I do think about it a lot when I'm driving, even on the highway, I'm like, oh, what would happen if I just crossed the center line and like ran headfirst into this semi? Or if I like overdosed on pills at home or drank, I don't know, antifreeze or anything like that, I have... I think about it all the time and it's something that has just become kind of a part of my life, but you learn how to handle that and I'm going to talk about uh, my coping mechanisms in the next episode as well. For me, when a bad day hits, I just shut down completely. I have no motivation to do anything. I tell myself that nobody cares, Um, even though I know that people do. I just, you just become so negative and you don't want to do anything. I had a bad day a couple months ago and I was doing so great in the morning. I was so productive. I got a workout in. I made myself lunch and I was having such a good day. And then all of a sudden after lunch, it just hit me. Like I said, my emotions can change really, really quickly. And it just hit me. And all of a sudden, I was super down. I had no motivation. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to go out. And I laid in bed for probably six hours. And I just, I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just laying there, staring into space. And that was one of my bad days. 
And that's just kind of what happens to me. I think about anything negative that I can and I kind of give myself the pain that I think I deserve. But why do I do that? I don't know. That's just how it's always been for me. Uh, And I think a lot of people with BPD will tell you the same thing. It's it's a lot of negative, like, self-hate and just self-deprecation that you can't explain. One of the hardest parts about when a bad day hits is that you can't just lay in bed all day. You can't just sit there all down on yourself. There are days when you'll wake up in this state and you have to get up, you have to get out of bed, you have to go to work, you have to get everything done that needs to be done. You gotta you ha- you still have all of your adult responsibilities and you got to you have to still get up and live your life and that is the hardest part is that you can't always deal with it when you need to deal with it. Depending on who you ask, um, they will say that depression and BPD and all of those kinds of things stem from a chemical imbalance in your brain um, that you're just born with. But I also think that it is a combination of, say, childhood trauma or things that have happened in your life, um, as well as the chemical imbalance. I don't think it's just one or the other. I think it's a combination And I've gone through what I would say would be a lot of childhood trauma with my family. Um, I'm not really close with my family and I grew up in an environment where we didn't really talk about our emotions and we weren't really allowed to show emotions. I know I never really saw my parents cry. They didn't really hug each other. We didn't hug each other. We didn't say, I love you. There was never any, like, I'm proud of you. It was always, I was never, like, scared to show my parents, like, my report cards or anything. But anytime that you did, the reaction was always, well, what happened? Why didn't you do better? And I never, ever heard kind of, I'm proud of you or you're doing good or anything like that growing up. So I think there was a lot of... um emotional neglect as a child and I think that that plays a huge role into why I feel so alone all the time even when people are around and I crave attention from other people and it's not always in the healthiest way but I I really think that it's a combination of the childhood trauma and the relationship with my family and friends as well as the chemical imbalance in my brain. Uh, so I, I don't blame my family at all for my struggles, but I know that the environment in which I grew up definitely contributed, whether that's from family, from friends, from coaches, um, and all the different role models that I had as a child. So what I want you to know, whether you are struggling, whether you are trying to be there for someone that is struggling is you can't always see mental illness from the outside. Uh, If you ask my friends now to describe me, they would probably tell you that I'm one of the happiest, positive, most outgoing people that you'll meet. Uh, I'm really, I'm not as shy as I used to be. I'm still shy, but I think most people would say that I always have a smile on my face. And I'm just super happy all the time, which I am. 
I am. I'm super chill and I don't get upset or angry very easily. So the last thing that they would say about me is that I'm depressed or suicidal or struggling. So be careful how you talk to people and what you say because everybody is fighting their own battles. I know it's very cliche to say, but everyone has their own battles and you can't always see them from the outside. It's also really important to pay attention to the wording that you use and how you approach talking to somebody that is struggling, um, the way that you formulate your questions, uh, and just the vocabulary that you use, because we do tend to overanalyze things and we can take things um, to heart and kind of in the way that it's not meant to be taken because our emotions are kind of all over the place. So be very careful with the way that you speak and the words that you use. I also think that a big part of relationships and making relationships work is talking about your past and what you've gone through and kind of um, life events and stuff like that. I know a lot of people are not really open to talking about the past, but For people that are struggling with mental illness and uh, depression and things like that, the way that they react to certain situations and handle certain situations is a reflection of how they were treated in the past or past traumas, things that have happened to them. I know for me, the way that I respond to certain situations, um, whether that's under pressure, whether that's when people get mad at me, I hate when people are upset with me. It just takes me back to my childhood and I'm the type of person that always wants to please people. So I do react differently when people are upset with me or people are mad at me. And I know that understanding where people come from and why they react to situations in a certain way can definitely help you understand what they've been through and Uh, kind of changes your perspective on the way that they react. I also want you to know that having a mental illness does not make you weak at all. Uh, It doesn't define who you are and it doesn't define your character. It's just a part of life. Some people have it, some people don't, but it doesn't define you and you are never, ever alone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time, share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.